I'm Derek P. Dingle, Senior Vice President and Chief Content Officer of Black Enterprise. And welcome to Elevate Black Inc., empowered by Fifth Third Bank. In this podcast series, we help you find new ways to grow your business through our interviews with innovative entrepreneurs and business leaders. In each episode, they share their unique journeys and offer their strategies on how you can pivot, perform, and profit in any environment. This week, we talk with Kurt and Jonathan Moody, the father and son team who operate Moody Nolan, one of the nation's largest black architecture firms. It has been recognized for nearly 40 years for its dazzling designs of corporate headquarters, university landmarks, and sports arenas. In fact, the company was recently named the AIA 2021 Architecture Firm of the Year. In my conversation today, I discussed with them how Moody Nolan evolved into a leader within the industry, how the company has rebounded from setbacks, and a successful business succession plan that created a multi-generational business. Now, please join me for Elevate Black Inc. Kurt, Jonathan, thank you for joining us for this episode of Elevate Black Inc. empowered by Fifth Third Bank. Um, I'm glad that you could join us. Before I start asking you questions, I want to congratulate both of you for receiving the uh, 2021 Architecture Firm of the Year Award and the first African-American and minority-owned firm to receive that award. Thanks, Derek. We, we are excited and, of course, um, very appreciative of having received and been the recipient of that award. Uh, we are uh, grateful because we're the first African-American-owned firm ever in the history of the award to uh, have uh, been the recipient. So we're, we're very, very grateful. Kurt, so how did you get your start in the industry? And what were some of the challenges of not only being one of the few African-American architects, but starting a Black-owned architecture firm in the environment of 1982? Well, the, 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 one of the biggest challenges that I faced as an individual was the lack of other mentors and other uh, well-established architects that looked like me. Um, just the magazines that were uh, afforded me uh, at the time uh, focused on major uh, white architects, uh, not many women at all. So uh, seeing a, a role model of a person of color when I was in college uh, just was non-existent. Uh, and I was concerned when I graduated that not just uh, African-Americans and, and other people of color, but white people were of the mindset that maybe because they haven't seen any, that no one was qualified enough to do the kind of things that other architects and other white architects would do. And I, and I felt we needed to put a stop to that myth and show that talent existed in all people, not just you know, one group of people. So um, the challenge for me was to uh, actually get in front of people and change that stereotype because it existed. No matter what I said, it was there. And so one of the things I did, I learned this because I, I played uh, varsity athlete. I was a varsity athlete in, in, in college as well. And I learned never to give up. I learned that you know, I don't care who we were playing uh, against that you don't 
give up. You don't give the game away before you play it. You have to play it. So I, I adopted an attitude of perseverance. No matter what obstacle was presented, I was of the mindset I had to find a way around it, over it, or under. And that basically was the mindset that I had uh, in 1982 to move forward. So in, in terms of one of your, the traits that would establish a Moody Nolan would be one of perseverance. Talk about Absolutely. your approach to the work. What distinguish you from the rest of the competitors in terms of how, what your design approach and how you uh, serve clients as an architectural firm? Well, I, I saw weaknesses uh, in the field that existed amongst different firms. I, I saw firms that were highly, highly creative and, and they were the, you know, the, the kind of image that they could design and the kind of uh, uh, design work that would you know, make the magazines, they were good at that. But then some were not as good as the building working very well. It would be like, okay, I love the way it works outside, looks outside, but I don't like the way you have to function. And, and then there, the other thing was, is that many of them designed buildings are way over budget. I mean, they were very, very nice, but they were very, very expensive. And I felt if I could adopt a process to do creative designs, within the budget uh, criteria that I was given, but also functioned very well, that I would have something that maybe existed amongst individual firms, but not all together that well. And so I began to uh, take on projects and do all of that, is to design the best project I can within the budget and within the program that actually functioned for the client's specific needs. And so that's you what we do today. Well, as you were looking at um, uh, work in the beginning, what type of jobs did you take on? You know, did you look at, you know, small scale university work with say colleges and universities and then eventually graduated to corporate headquarters? Uh, share the evolution of the type of jobs that you've gotten uh, throughout the 80s. Well, in the 80s, uh, when I started again, it, it was a down economy, therefore, uh, what work was available um, was not always the work that I really wanted. I mean, I, I needed to survive. That was the first criteria. How do I survive in this competitive market? So I quite frankly went after churches, uh, black churches specifically, because I knew I would at least have an audience that would listen to me uh, as an architect to say, you can do our work, uh, you relate to us, and so uh, I first started with several churches. However, uh, I had worked for the major firms that were in the central Ohio market. And I knew that I had designed corporate office buildings. I had designed many things for them and felt that that was more gonna be a better path uh, to grow. So I actually started going after university work. Some of it mostly oriented towards sports because as a former athlete, I also felt that um, if I am out there saying as an, as an architect, I also have this special sensitivity as a, uh, as a, as a former athlete, that that would have some traction as well. So we pursued lots of sports oriented projects with wherever they may uh, happen. And that became 
a factor and it was, well, if I can do this major sports project, I can do this other corporate facility. And uh, it went on from there. So the project type purposely varied. It was not, I, I determined that we should not specialize in one specific thing. We should be uh, super at doing everything and be able to do, go after uh, uh, a lot of diverse work uh, throughout any, uh, any state or city that we uh, chose to pursue work in. Yeah, so because of your insight, uh, you could uh, meet the mandate of uh, design and function, you know, that, uh, that's required yes. of architects. Yes. So um, you, you talked about churches, you talked about sports arenas and, and corporate uh, jobs. Share with us the, the, the companies or the jobs that you had that you were proudest of or that were the most challenging and, and, and how did you overcome the design challenges as opposed to the, uh, the challenge of acquiring the work? Well, uh, one of the major milestones for our company was the, the Schottenstein's uh, Arena at the Ohio State University. Uh, it's the, one of the largest basketball arenas in the Big Ten. And I had played varsity basketball for Ohio State and felt that I at least would be able to talk to the athletic department from a, uh, a position of, I know what goes on in, in collegiate athlete, athletics. I understand this kind of facility. Beyond being an architect, I understood it as a player and as a spectator. So we went after it and of course we were underdog because the firms that were pursuing the project, they had done many of those kind of uh, arenas. We had done a small one. We were fortunate we had done a 96 Olympics preliminary basketball arena in Atlanta, um, but we got shortlisted and I decided that we could not compete on the merits of how many arenas we had done around the country, that I had to compete on showing them how we would do their arena and do it better than our competitors. So we actually designed a new arena for the Ohio State University, built a model and had renderings made and then interviewed to show them, this is the kind of talent we bring to be able to uh, design your arena. And they, they agreed with uh, us that we had the talent, we had the uh, the experience of designing large projects and we could do this and they then selected our firm. So that was a major milestone. And then there's been many others after that, but that was the first one. Wow. The Ohio State <laughs> catapulted. Yes, the Ohio State University. <laughs> cat, cat, uh, helped catapult your company. Uh, first you were Moody and Associates and then you became Moody Nolan. And we all know that partnerships is the path to growth. Share with us um, how that partnership evolved and how, yes. how it added value and growth to the firm. Well, when I was uh, starting the firm, um, and you know, uh, the one of my uh, friends indicated that they had met a, an engineer that also wanted to start his own firm that I had not met, uh, Howard Nolan. He had worked for uh, the same architectural firm that I had worked for in the summer, uh, but he was a civil and structural engineer and he'd worked for them and they thought they, that I should meet him. So they arranged a lunch and I met him and he brought with him contacts within the state system 
that I did not have. He was, he was older than me and he had been in the assistant director of the Ohio Department of Transportation. And so when, when we agreed that we should come together, uh, it was because a friend of his at the state said, I got a small project, the magnetic resonance imaging facility that I need you to, to do for me, but you need to get an architect. So he comes to me and says, why don't we do this together? And we did, it was highly successful. And then they gave us another project, which was the Ohio State University's medical records office edition, which was five, it was $5 million project at the time. It, so the original project was 350,000. And then we got selected for a $5 million project because we had done the $350,000 project so well. And it went on from there. Uh, his contacts with other agencies uh, leveraged with mine, we became a little bit better dynamic duel than we would have been had I just done it alone. And so that was one of the characteristics that, that Howard brought to assist us in our growth. Well, I know in this area um, of architecture and construction, uh, it's a lot of partnerships, a lot of uh, joint venture. And, and just for our audience, um, what do you look for in a partnership? How do you know that a partnership will work given your approach and given what your, um, your company stands for and what you stand for as an entrepreneur? Well, um, we learned uh, early in the uh, development of the firm that the state of Ohio had what was called a a firm, B firm uh, list. The A firm was a prime uh, firm that led the job and they were traditionally a white firm. The B firm was a small minority or female owned business. And we were categorized as a B firm when I started. We learned that if we work well with the A firm, they would bring us more opportunities and add us to a team because they had to meet a minority percentage. But I quickly learned that if, if I was just meeting a minority percentage, that which was 15%, that to get the same amount of fee that the lead firm was getting, five times, I had to have five projects to their one in order to accumulate the same income. So I asked the state to, uh, to allow us to be uh, a firm and take our risk on going after a firm and we would bring other minority firms on. Uh, and they agreed and, but our, our, what we decided was if we could be a good teammate to everybody we partnered with, that would be more lucrative than not uh, being a good teammate. So, so we took that along and as a partnership, firms know when they hear about us, we have a reputation of being easy to work with. So therefore uh, we become more desirable because not only are we easy to work with, we perform, we do the work very well that we are assigned to do. So those, those became uh, important uh, assets to us. So right now your firm is uh, at this point marked by perseverance, creativity, innovation, and the ability to form uh, partnerships that work. So, right. so um, now I'm going to bring Jonathan into the conversation because um, you know, this is a different type of partnership. <laughs> this is the partnership with your son. And um, I want to, uh, not to put you on the spot, Jonathan, <laughs> but I want to uh, first, for you to share, how did you 
become a part of Moody Nolan? I mean, were you always inspired to go into architecture? Did you always wanted to work side by side with your father? You know, how did that, you know, relationship, that business relationship evolve? Well, I can tell my version of the story, but um, um, I, so I have two older brothers and, and we all, you know, had summers where we worked um, in some fashion, you know, in the print room or, you know, with mail or putting together furniture or filing drawings. Um, and we were always aware of the business, but, and, and always had, you know, some kind of affiliation with it. Um, but the, the challenge is, um, because of, um, you know, family relationships, you know, and, you know, aunts and uncles and cousins, are you going to be an architect? And it was, you know, the answer was always no, up to a certain point, even if I had some interest secretly. And and I say it wasn't until, say, high school or so that I was willing to, I, I say, publicly address or accept that, yes, I had been interested in architecture this whole time, but I didn't want to say it because of what people would say, or you're, you know, trying to be just like your dad, or, you know. So I, I was always worried about that. Um, and then, um, but also because of that, um, I, I ended up going away for school. Um, and you know, I, I went, to, I, you know, had some time in upstate New York at Cornell University and in California, where I met my wife at UCLA. Um, and um, about the same, you know, while, while I was out in California, I was, you know, I felt pretty good that I was doing architecture on my own and it was a great experience to be able to work uh, with others and kind of learn about architecture but um, and I had always thought at some point I would come home I just didn't know when um, and I got a call literally it was about about 10 or 11 years ago now it says hey are you you know from my dad that says are you gonna you know come back home and I said well sooner or later and and he said sooner or later should be sooner um, and so um, I and the cost of living difference from California to Ohio is much different. Um, you know what? What my uh, the the rent I paid for my 350 square foot studio apartment was um, less than a mortgage here, or more than a mortgage here in Ohio. And so I, you know, you know, built a house and moved back and um, and and just kind of jumped in. Um, and there's no good way to describe how that process played out because it's, you know, the best way I can summarize it is it's, you know, like drinking from a fire hose every day for 10 years. Um, and there's always so much more to learn. Um, but that's, that's how I became involved. And there was always kind of a, every time I felt like I was close, but still nowhere near having um, enough experience or understanding to kind of do the job ahead of me, it was a you know, my dad would say, hey, you're going to go to this meeting, or hey, you're going to go lead this, or hey, you're going to go do that. And I'm kind of, oh, okay, <laughs> well, I'll just, I'll just go for it. So um, if he thinks I can do it, I must be able to at least do something right. So that's really what 10 years has been like so for me. So unlike your, your father, you had a mentor, you had the ultimate mentor, yes. your father. Yes. Um, so what did you learn from him that sort of um, grounded you in the industry? And then what have you brought to the company that has um, been new innovations or a new way of uh, thinking or new approaches in terms of how Moody Nolan can either acquire clients or approach jobs? Yes. Yeah, so 
Um, the one thing you mentioned in terms of, you know, the ultimate mentor and, and what did he, you know, give, um, it, it, he gave an example. Like, I think one of the things that was different for him than me is he didn't have, like when, you know, he talked about playing basketball at Ohio State. Um, he didn't have anybody he could look to and say, oh, you know, when they say that this isn't possible, um, he didn't have an example to look at. So for me, you know, I, I played football at Cornell and, you know, was constantly told, you know, you could be a good football player if you give up architecture or you could be a good architect if you give up football. Um, and I, I was able to confidently tell both, why can't I do this? And they said, oh, it's just not possible. And I said, well, you know, but my dad was able to do it. So why, you know, why can't I do it as well? And, and, and same thing in the industry. There's been so many things where the question would come as, is this possible? And, and I would, well, I know it's possible. Uh, so, you know, I, I've seen it done. So why can't we do it too? Um, the one thing too, um, you know, I was fortunate, you know, my neighbor growing up was um, Louis Smoot Sr. who's, you know, you know, led Smoot Construction, you know, for quite a while, um, you know, as a black contractor. Um, the night I, you know, I, I left for Cornell the night before, um, you know, I, I went over to his house and he said it was one of the best things ever to go away and work for somebody else. Um, and so part of what I, I've I brought to the company or brought back, um, I, I'd say is confidence and a perspective that, you know, in terms of looking at how other people do things or looking at versus looking at how we do it, it was kind of a reassurance that we can do it just as good, if not even better than they're doing it. Um, and to, to verify that says, hey, you know, as we're approaching this, you know, I, you know, some other companies approach it this way or some other, just to offer a different perspective. Um, and I really do feel fortunate right now, um, you know, you know, the, the time that we're in to really have two different generations perspectives in leadership. Um, I really do think it's a big part of what's helped us, you know, in, in the recent years and so many challenging times to have, you know, literally, you know, the wealth of experience that my dad brings. And then, you know, my naive perspective of, well, could we try this or could we try that? And, you know, and honestly, the flexibility and the space to mess up, to be wrong um, and, and to not have to worry about it being kind of all on me, you know, if we fail with some of my naive approaches or naive ideas. But that's a, a part of the creative process. It's looking at different approaches, looking at different solutions, you know, um, I, I took a mechanical drawing class <laughs> when I was younger. So I, I, I have a, um, a, um, an interest in architecture, but apparently didn't have the talent, uh, but know the challenges that you have in terms of just putting everything just right so that you meet the needs of the client and that you create some new solutions that the client may have not even thought of. Uh, so from your perspective, how did your, your approach, how did your learnings help in a particular uh, job that you were um, developing? Um, I, I, I remember um, like one of the early ones I, I got to work on or you know, help with was um, we, we got approached by um, very great businessman, Larry Connor, um, and he wanted to build an, an office building um, that matched his persona. And we were really pushing some things or stretching, you know, both construction techniques, um, building envelope techniques, you know, architecture form ideas that, um, you know, where I worked before, you know, I had tried some of these things, but really didn't have, you know, the space to really say, all right, let's 
take it to another level. And for us, it was kind of the right, you know, opportunity to say, we could bring all this experience. And if we leverage all these different, you know, ideas around technology and building detailing and, and building construction, we could pull off one of the most unique office buildings that's ever been built. Um, and, you know, that was, you know, you know, I had, a, I had a small role in a team, but it was so many different ideas that we could all push forward, um, you know, bringing from so many different backgrounds to really deliver something that was, you know, one of a kind. Yeah, it's, um, you know, part of the collaborative process where everyone's input, and then in your, this case, your input, you know, created the, um, the, the, the solution that needed to, that took the project to another level. Um, Kurt, I, I'd like to ask you as we're you know talking about your both of your specific roles. Um, uh, Jonathan, you became uh, president in 2016, and congratulations, you became CEO in 2020 last year. Um, now, Kurt, you're the chairman. Uh, share with us how that um, business relationship works. Uh, that's one, and then secondly, uh, Kurt, in terms of building a multi-generational business, how did you go about the, um, the succession planning? How did you go about making this uh, transition? And, and what can you share with other companies that are looking at this, uh, especially family-owned businesses? Okay, well, we're, we're, we're very fortunate. We decided years ago that each of the major leaders should try to determine who would be their replacement. Um, it, it, you know, eventually. It didn't meet, need to happen right away, but if you were grooming someone to be your replacement, is there anybody in the firm that you feel could do what you do and then move into your position? And so um, we all did some hard thinking and started coming up with different people. And of course, I had Jonathan in mind as my replacement. So the, and that was years ago. Um, but I didn't know if Jonathan's coming back to the firm because, you know, he was, he had gone to school in UCLA and he married his wife out there and he was working with a very, very well high profile uh, architectural firm that was doing very, very well. So, but the thought was um, as we grow um, that it would be better that if I was still around when he comes to the firm versus just a departure, I'm gone, new person's coming in. So we enticed Jonathan to come back and he you know, did his due diligence. He worked in the firm and everybody knew uh, that were other leaders that the growth of our firm was predicated on me eventually turning over the, the ropes to him, um, but still being around to continue to help um, nurture relationships that I had you know, established over the years and that he new ones that he would have started and it would be it would be more dynamic if we could merge those versus um, you know just shut the door on whatever I had done end of story. But other thing, uh, the other thing we we discovered was that we didn't see many uh, minority firms that had transition like this, where uh, as an architectural practice. So we were wanting to make sure we were one of the role models of yes, you can. Uh, grow a firm, you can transition it and still continue uh, along an upward path. And um, that's basically where we are and, and, and how we went about it. So if you had uh, three um, points that you'd like to make for, especially 
African-American firms on how to make this transition, as you said, this business succession plan, what would that be? What would you advise them to do? I, I would advise them to don't be afraid of it and to really consider it. Um, and you don't have to wait till you're almost ready to leave the practice that you should start thinking about that early. Um, you know, as part of your growth, you know, how are you going to grow and then help somebody else to grow? And, uh, and, and I think that is uh, something that uh, isn't always thought about as a firm. You're normally so busy trying to get work, you know, pay the bills that you have that those other things get put on the uh, sideline, but this should not. Um, it's just as important as, you know, uh, winning other projects because you got to do the projects and you got to have people that are talented that you groom that can do that work. And, and we've done that across the board in almost all the categories that we, uh, that, that we have in leadership. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great to see firms going on to the, the next generation and creating a plan for you know, generational succession and, and advancement. Um, but we always know that with each era, there are challenges. When you started, you dealt with the recession at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, over the last year, we've dealt with um, the COVID pandemic. And um, I'd like to get the perspective from both of you um, how did you work through the challenges of the COVID-19 environment and how did you approach, you know, keeping your, 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 your um, employees focused, you know, keeping your um, clientele, you know, confident in, in your ability, yeah. you know, how did you manage that whole process in, in, in an unprecedented time? Well, as you know, we are all still going through that as to we haven't seen the end of it yet. So we're not sure, um, you know, what things lie ahead. But what we did early, we didn't diddle daddle around. We, I mean, we, we knew it was serious. We looked at the CDC criteria for, you know, uh, establishing certain criteria. And we have 11 offices. So we, we have offices in, you know, Chicago, New York, Boston. Atlanta, Texas, and, and we needed to be able to look at the fact that each jurisdiction might have a different approach to, you know, the amount of virus in the, that location, therefore you stay at home. So we came up with our own uh, return to work policy, we called it, Jonathan was the, the major author. And uh, that dictated, it said, we could only have 20% of people in the office. It, it took it took care to think about people that have families and childcare issues and said, we will work remotely. And we made sure we supplied all the people with uh, the technology necessary from remote locations that didn't have it. And we've done that. And today we've become quite efficient at working at 230 locations. <laughs> um, and uh, as you know, we were hurt like most firms when it comes to some projects went on hold, some clients didn't have the financial ability to keep moving forward, but we never gave up and we uh, have continued to be fully employed. We have been fully employed. Now we were helped a little bit by the PPP loan, which we did receive uh, uh, one and in order to stay fully employed and we have, and we've stayed fully uh, throughout the entire uh, process so far. Yeah, I 
I would add in too, uh, one of the things that was, um, is, you know, I, you know, things happen for a reason. And I remember, you know, <laughs> first year in the role of CEO, and I remember hearing a sermon about David. Um, and, you know, what was David's leadership style and how did he tackle, you know, how did he deal with, you know, what is, you know, this, this giant of Goliath? And it was like, David was completely unprepared for everything um, he was headed into and, and all he had was a slingshot. But he, he used the slingshot to the best of his ability because he said, that's the tool I got. So for one of the things for me was, you know, that, that I think everybody's been dealing with that is a reality is just dealing with uncertainty. And, you know, I knew in my role, it was like, I don't know some things like, and, and the truth is, you know, being an adamant, you know, and, and we had to be very intentional about communicating we're in uncertain times. And so finding, you know, weekly, daily, bi-weekly, you know, every other day, you know, who do I need to touch base with every day to effectively communicate things that I know and things that I don't know and who can help connect the dots was, was critical. Um, and, you know, so every day there was a, you know, let's get together as a small group and let's talk about what do we know? <laughs> okay, these are the things we know. What does that mean? Okay, we need to, to, to march on with this. And, and it was a, a day by day, slow, slowly but surely. And, you know, here we are, you know, nearly a year later, we're still kind of in, I, I tell you, I did not anticipate working from home as long as we did. Um, but, you know, it, it's a, can we survive today? Yes. Um, can we get through tomorrow? Probably, but we're only going to worry about today right now. Wow. Uh, I, I really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, you've given our audience a lot of great information. And what I come away with in terms of what Moody Nolan stands for and what both of you stand for in terms of your respective leaderships, perseverance, collaboration, and innovation. And that's what will take uh, Moody Nolan uh, forward. Thank you very much for being a part of this, both of you, Kurt, Jonathan, it's been a great conversation. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for having us.